Welcome to the Jag Bros Podcast. We are three brothers who love the Jaguars in the highs and the lows. And for the first time in our podcast history, we are coming off a Jacksonville Jaguars loss, 17 to 9 to the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're just going to begin with public lament. So who wants to get us started here? Oh, if only the end zone was 10 and a half yards deep. As everyone knows, the end zone is actually 10 yards deep. But man, it felt like we had three or four chances that were so close. Yes, uh, it's uh, really upsetting to watch. I was there at the game. It was very hot, but that's no excuse. If anything, that should have been an advantage for the Jaguars that practice in the heat. But yeah, it just felt like the game was there for us and we didn't take it. Yeah, 100%. It felt like a missed opportunity. How often do you get Kelsey to have a bad game and to hold the Chiefs to 17 points and to not get a win? That one stings for sure. Well, here's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to give our overall thoughts, just quick feedback on the game itself. And then we're going to jump into a recap of our offense, breaking down the quarterback play, offensive line, position players, and then we're going to flip field to the defensive side of the ball, look at our front seven and also our defensive backs. And then we're going to give you a quick update on the AFC standings where the Jaguars rank. Perfect. That sounds like a great plan, Jack. And before we do most of that, let's talk about um, what our initial thoughts were. Joey, you were at the game. What was it like being in the stadium? It looked like there were a lot of Chiefs fans. Help us understand what the experience was like there in Jacksonville. There were definitely a lot of Chiefs fans. Uh, the Chiefs always travel well. I was expecting quite a few Chiefs fans. There may have been more than I expected. There was definitely a lot of red on the away side. But the Jag fans also did show out. There was a lot of teal. Though there was a lot of Jags fans saying, sit down, I can't see. Uh, which was really upsetting because if anyone has ever been to Arrowhead, you know they stand for the entire game. So I was really not happy with some of the Jags fans who just wanted to sit in their seat and watch the game. But granted, the offense never gave them a spark to really cheer for. Uh, everyone was kind of waiting for the offense to get it started. And it just felt like it was always almost there and just never happened. Yeah, it was almost there and it just never happened. It felt like it was the story of the day. If we look back to the keys of the game that we provided you guys last time, uh, number one for mine on defense was hold either Pacheco or Kelsey to under 50 yards. Check. We did that to Kelsey. We actually were able to hold him to only four catches for 26 yards. He did get that touchdown. Uh, not check on Pacheco. He got 70 yards with one of the, uh, the bursts there, about 30 yards um, there in the third quarter, setting up one of the touchdowns, uh, and then on offense. So check on defense, right? If you hold Kansas City to 17 points, you certainly feel like you have a chance to win the game. Offense is absolutely the side of the ball that let us down. I said we wanted to have 45 to 50 percent third down efficiency, uh, and we were 25 percent. And the reason behind my thought process there is if we could maintain drives, get into the scoring position, I thought we would be able to continue to see the improvement. Uh, that we'd seen in preseason and during the first game in our red zone efficiency. But obviously that let us down too. Jack, what were your keys to the game? Yeah, so my defensive key was stop Travis Kelsey, which again, pointing out double cover and we did. And several great plays defensively knocking the ball away from him and making him really work. 
The problem was not defense. In fact, the defense was incredible, holding the Chiefs to 17 points. You know how many times that happened last season? One time. One time the Chiefs were held exactly to 17 points, including the playoffs. And so for us to hold them to 17 points, for us to get three turnovers and to not win the game, it all falls on the offense. And so my offensive key was to have Trevor throw it a lot, have Ridley get over 100 yards. And Trevor did throw a lot, 41 pass attempts, but uh, Ridley did not have a good game. And overall, our offense was pathetic. Yeah, my keys to the game was air raid for Trevor, and he just didn't really show up. Uh, Trevor had one of his bad games, but it seems like he is really upset about it. And haven't seen him this upset since the loss against Denver last year. And we all know that's when he turned it around. So. I'm really hoping that this kind of woke him up. He didn't have a super terrible game. It just felt like it, his balls were floating just a little too much. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, just it just wasn't enough. And not being able to get in the end zone, that, that can never happen again. Yeah, exactly. Not scoring a touchdown reminds some Jags fans of the Texas uh, the Texans game last year, where uh, I think we lost fourteen to six or, or somewhere along those lines at home. Um, the Detroit game on the road certainly has some reminiscence of of that, where the offense couldn't get going. But at the end of the day, Trevor has had a number of games last season, almost thirty or forty percent of the games last year, where he was under two hundred yards. He looks sporadic at times, so we want to see him continue to make that step. We just hope that a game like this only happens once or twice for the whole season, and we continue to see the offense take the next step. Definitely, and I'm going to get us into the offense and what we kind of thought about the offense as a whole and where we think that they can improve. I think for Trevor, his biggest thing is he plays his best in the two-minute offense. Uh, last year, our best offense was in the second half when we were losing and we had to get back into the game and we ran that two-minute offense and that's when Trevor played his best. That's what he played in college. Our two scoring drives this game were in the two-minute offense. Uh, taking too much time and getting too fancy with the plays uh, it doesn't work for Trevor. He needs simple spread plays that are coming in quick, keep the defense on his toes, and he just slices them up. We got to get the two-minute uh, offense more for Trevor. I agree with you, Joey. I do feel like our best drives were when we were hurrying to the ball, where we were moving quickly. Obviously, the 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 drive at the end of the first half was really strong, and then we had one other time in the second half towards the end of the third quarter where we were moving the ball quickly, getting to the ball. And that's where we seem to have the chiefs on their toes. And so I think Trevor Lawrence, I don't think all the blame is on him. It was not a horrible game. He was 22 for 41, 216 yards. He was sacked four times, didn't have a lot of time, but there were definitely a lot of key misses. And as you pointed out earlier, JT, a lot that were very, very close and then he had a few, too, that uh, he just threw too high. If if there were misses, it seemed to be like he was going too high. And so that's something that hopefully he cleans up with a big opportunity next week, this Sunday, against the Texans. 
he didn't look perfect to me, but I really don't necessarily blame him on some of those uh, situations. We're inches away from a couple of times in the end zone. We had a couple of key drops. And to your guys' point, it felt like we could never get in rhythm. Completely agree that Trevor seems to thrive in uh, faster paced situations where, where you're trying to move uh, the ball downfield. But every time it felt like we were about to get in rhythm, there's a Chris Jones back down at the line of scrimmage. There's a, a play that could have gone for a big uh, gain with a, a dump off to uh, the tight end or to the running back where guys just miss and whiff on blocks that all of a sudden a gain that could be a 17 yard game is, is stopped in the backfield or stopped before uh, the line uh, before the line to gain. So uh, Trevor, Trevor was not perfect but he was not really in my mind, the problem with the offense at the, uh, and so I, I would like to see uh, him be able to have a complete game right, uh, against the Texans next week, because he really hasn't been able to do that in either of the first two games. You said it, the big whiff on blocks is the problem though. This offensive line has to be overhauled. Uh, it, it, that's where all of our problems are really stemming from. And you can see it trickling down, you can see the offensive coordinator doesn't have any trust in the offensive line because he has to draw up plays to get the ball way outside, like with screens and stuff like that. And he says, those are our run plays because our offensive line can't block. They can't make calls for the running back. Trevor's losing faith in the line. You can tell that he was hurrying up. He was second guessing throws because he was scared that he was going to get hit. Like this offensive line needs to do better. And it's not just the rookie Anton Harrison. Yes, he didn't have a good game. Yes, he had Chris Jones on him and he was getting his butt whooped. But it's this interior line. We are paying 20 plus millions of dollars to Sheriff and he's playing like garbage. Luke Fortner's in his second year and he's playing worse than he did his rookie year. And Ben Barge, I, I think he needs to be sat. Uh, Shatley has played better than he has last year. It's time to bring Shatley back in because Ben Barge is not it. Ben Barch was suffering from an injury week one, right, Joey? No, he came back. Uh, he started in the third preseason game. And then it was his first game in a year, but he's not injured. Okay, well, th that that's good to know that it's his first game in the year. Look, I mean, the, the offense line did not look good against Indianapolis, and they have a decent front seven. Chris Jones is, is probably a Hall of Famer. I saw in 2022, he brought the most amount of quarterback pressures from an interior spot in the defensive line. The dude was an animal, and I was hoping the fact that he didn't sign until this week that he would be out of shape uh, and and that he wouldn't be quite as effective. But that was clearly uh, not the case. And and I and I do wonder if you had Chris Jones against the Lions, if you have a different result there uh, last week when uh, the Chiefs took on 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 Detroit. Yeah, Chris Jones was beyond an animal. This stat is just crazy. So from PFF, Chris Jones had a 73% win rate on 29 uh, pass rushes in that game. Now that may sound like, oh, well, that's really good. Compare it to Miles Garrett, who led the league last year. He had a 22% win rate. So triple that. Chris Jones was in the backfield every play, batting down a ton of passes and i agree with you joey i think our interior line is a massive problem the only bright spot has been walker little 
who has only given up one QB pressure so far in these first two games. And the hope is that Cam Robinson can come back and help us significantly because right now the offensive line, again, to me, this is where this is what's going to make or break our our offense and ultimately our team is are we going to be a AFC contender, contend for even potentially a Super Bowl? Our offensive line has got to be significantly better. We can't have games like this. The issue is uh, Cam Robinson's a left tackle, and our one good offensive lineman is a left tackle. Like, yeah, what yeah. are we going to do? I think well, you've got to move Little or something because, yeah. Little's a swing tackle. Little will definitely play right tackle as soon as Cam Robinson comes back. And And I think something to remember is that – Look, Jag fans were ready to run out Jenkins and, and Herndon and some of the members of the defense because of some sub uh, par play during a couple of the games last year. Yes, the offensive line has started off slow, but to Joey, your point, Barch is coming off an injury, and this is really his first game in over a year playing. Fortner's in year two. Uh, Har- um, Harrison's a rookie. You're going to see those guys get better with time, and you're probably not going to be facing the same level of interior defensive line that you faced uh, against the Chiefs. Certainly, if you want to have playoff aspirations or championship aspirations, you will have to beat the Chiefs or a team as good as the Chiefs. But I'm I'm not pushing the panic button as much on the offensive line. Plus, I trust Doug to be able to hide some of the deficiencies, whether that's quicker games, whether that's moving the pocket um, outside, getting Trevor scrambling a little bit more and throwing on the run. I think you'll probably start to see some of that um, later in the season. You bring up a good point on uh, Coach trying to make the offensive line a little better than it is. And I was very surprised in this game. It was pretty obvious Anton Harrison was struggling with Chris Jones. You got a rookie going up against possibly the best defense alignment, uh, if not the second best. It depends on where you put Aaron Donald. But he was getting his lunch eaten. And we never brought in a tight end to come help him. You can do a two tight end set, help get an extra body on Chris Jones. And yet we weren't doing that. We were spreading our wide receivers out. Agnew was on the field a bunch. And we needed to add more people to the offensive line. It was obvious that they were rushing in. And I don't know why we didn't add another body to help out Anton Harrison. Here's the issue, though. Your your second tight end that would be coming into block, there's two problems with that. Your second tight end is a rookie. Uh, most likely that would be the one to brought, bring into block because Evan Ingram is obviously not going to be the one to help block. And that probably means Christian Kirk is not on the field, which we'll talk about here in a second, some of the position players. But it was pretty clear that they, they fancied the matchup that Christian Kirk had considering the amount of targets and receptions he had. Yeah, but I mean, even a rookie, a a body is a body, and Anton Harrison needed some help. I I would have been gladly to take out Christian Kirk if that meant that Trevor Lawrence had a few more seconds to throw the ball. Well, that's a hot take with how big of a game Christian Kirk had. He was, to me, though, certainly the bright spot of our offense. Played really well, made up. He was all over the field, targeted double digits, over 100 yards, That was the one good thing to see from the Jaguars offense that we hope to build on. But as you look at some of these position players, what jumped out to you guys from our wide receivers and our tight end play? On the positive side is definitely Evan and Kirk. Kirk had 14 targets, 11 receptions, and 110 yards. Uh, we, we, We talked about this beforehand, that Kirk has had 
uh, two really good games against Kansas City and that we expected him to have a really good game as well because we just saw Amon Ra, who plays essentially the same type of position that uh, Christian Kirk does, uh, have a huge game against the Chiefs. So we expected them uh, to have a good game. He had an even better game than I think what anybody could have potentially expected. But at the end of the day, it wasn't quite enough. Evan Ingram, I thought also looked pretty nice with six receptions for 57 yards. Uh, They used him a few times to try to um, offset some of the pass rush that they were receiving, whether they'd slip him out into uh, the flats and, and dump it off to him. And he was able to get seven to 10 yards and, and try to catch, uh, get, catch them on a, on a wheel route uh, that set up the uh, the first and goal at the one, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a, in a minute too. Um, but yeah, I thought those two were certainly the biggest bright spots. For sure. I loved what I saw from Ingram, that play on third down where he dove for about four yards, super manning to get that first down was amazing. And my only thing with Ingram, and I don't know if this is play calling, I don't know if this is him, but I think in back-to-back games, I just haven't seen him targeted at all in the red zone. He's such a big body. He's got the height. He's got the athleticism. I would love to see throw the ball up to him, make a play. But also some of the plays that we saw throughout this game was the tight end screen that really Kansas City couldn't slow down. As soon as he got the ball, he seemed to be able to either juke out a defender or drag them for several yards. And so that was the one thing that I wanted to see, whether it's play calling or Ingram himself. I don't know, but I think Ingram needs the ball more in the red zone. And especially if you look at the Chiefs, how often they target Kelsey and their backup tight end. I just think Ingram needs to be more involved in the red zone. Uh, I agree. Uh, We need to get Evan Ingram involved in the red zone and also kind of change the way we handle the red zone. There are way too many toe-tapping plays where you have to have the absolute perfect throw and have the absolute perfect catch and get those toes in. Like We're trying to make that 1% catch. Why are we doing that? We can. There's so much end zone to deal with. We don't have to put it on the very inch line where our wide receivers are trying to make a catch that goes on the top 10 ESPN. Make an easier throw in the end zone. It, it, it's weird that we have to have to be the best of the best and have these crazy plays. Yeah, I I, I think that's really well said, Joey. There was a lot, lot of times it's like, oh man, are, are we serious that the only thing we can do is essentially a fade in the back of the end zone? The Chiefs secondary was not elite by any means. Yes, they played a nice game and 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 yes, Spagnola called a good game, but I, I still felt like that they're <laughs> I feel like that the guys that should be plus route runners like a Ridley should be able to beat some guys one-on-one in a quick slant in a, in a way where you're just kind of sitting in the open zone in the end zone, like he did against the chiefs or like you see Kelsey so often do. Yeah. And, and I feel like Trevor Lawrence for the last two games is also staring down the wide receiver too much. He did it with uh, Calvin Ridley in the first game and then it was obvious that they were really trying to go to Christian Kirk this game and there were a lot of times where he was staring down Christian Kirk as well and missed some wide over uh, wide open wide receivers like he needs to scan the field a little more instead of going for the first read yeah and so from the good with Christian Kirk and with uh, Evan Ingram I think the bad would would certainly be ETN which we said beforehand look you're not going to be able to run on the Chiefs we couldn't really run on the Chiefs either of the two meetings they're getting Chris Jones back um don't expect big things from from um from ETN 
And then, and then Calvin Ridley, eight, eight targets, two receptions for 32 yards. What did you guys think about that performance? I want to jump in here on the running game because to me, this is a concern for the Jaguars because our run game did not look good against the Colts either. And we've invested a lot of draft capital, a lot of resources as the team to have a better run game. ETN is obviously a first first round pick. Tank Bigsby, who did not touch the ball, was was a third round pick. Brenton Strange is supposed to be a run block guy that's supposed to help us in the run game. And yet again, our running backs are only getting about three, maybe four yards of carry. ETN was about 3.3. And I just want to call out a guy that I just want to see more of is Dearness Johnson. He had Two times he touched the ball were very positive plays. A catch for nine yards and a run for eight yards, which is not super exciting, but that was the second or third longest run of the entire game. And so I think we need to feed this guy more, but it's something that the Jaguars need to turn around. If we're going to invest a lot, we need to be running more efficiently and running better because that's going to help open up the passing game. And we were saying this in the preseason that Dearness Johnson should be the short down or goal line back because he seems to have the ability to get the most amount of push. Definitely. And 12 rushes for Travis Etienne is just not enough. We abandoned the run way too early. And honestly, it wasn't that bad. I was there in the game. Like we were getting a little bit of push. Like he was getting about three yards, which isn't terrible. And they broke at least one or two that got about nine to 12 yards. And Dearness Johnson got one that was eight or nine. Like it wasn't the worst running game, but we just quit running it. There were multiple times where I was like, all right, we're about to run it. We do a play action. And everyone knew that it was going to be a play action because, well, we're only running it 12 times. They can tee off on Trevor Lawrence because they don't have to worry about the run. We're not going to run it. 12 carries uh is not is not that many for a running back especially when you didn't when you're when it's only a workhorse back and you don't you're not giving it the ball to a number of other backs um but i mean Tra- travis also did start to cramp in the second half so that could have played a factor and anytime you're giving the the ball to tank bigsby or dearness johnson they're not quite as explosive um so like that probably played a, a factor in the decision making there and he wasn't that that efficient i mean 3.3 yards per carry uh is not great i mean on 12 carries pacheco got 70 now a lot of it came on one one play but even still i i, I thought they ran an appropriate amount of time we knew that trevor would have to get the the passing down and and i think one of your keys to the game jack was ridley getting over 100 yards which seemed very doable with the performance he put up uh, against the the Colts. Was there anything that you guys saw that contributed to that? Yeah, the, the coverage and the defensive game plan was really well played on Ridley. He had a nice catch early in the game and then was quiet, of course, the rest. He had one more catch, two catches for about 30 yards. And he, just like Zay Jones, had a few catches for touchdowns that were just barely outside of the end zone that really hurt the Jaguars of course, not scoring six points on those and sometimes not even getting a field goal by a turnover on downs. And so really was disappointing. He needed to have a bigger game, six missed targets. But 
to me, zero concern. He looks still really fast, really good route runner. He's going to be open. Maybe he wasn't 100%. He took some tough hits in that second half. And so I think he'll be back week three. But he needed, of course, to have more for us to to pull away in that game. Yeah, but it, it wasn't Ridley's fault. Uh, I mean, look at Zay Jones. He had zero catches. The problem was the offensive line didn't give Trevor enough time to throw his, to his outside wide receivers. Ridley and Zay Jones are your outside wide receivers, and you need at least three seconds to let them run their routes because you have to throw it a little further and they have to run a little longer. And if your offensive line can't hold them, which they weren't, you have to throw it to your slot guy, which is why Christian Kirk got a lot more. Is Zay had zero receptions on six targets. I will say he was out for um, at least two quarters of that game with uh, some sort of leg injury. I believe uh, he did come back in there and obviously try to uh, another one of those situations where he's trying to uh, tap his toes there uh, in the end zone. But yeah, very disappointing game for him on what should have been a pretty good matchup. It doesn't matter the matchup. If Trevor doesn't have enough time to throw it, then it doesn't matter who you have as a wide receiver. It really boils down to the offensive line. Uh, but let's get to a little bit of the coaching of the offense. What did y'all think of the play calls? Here's where it got ugly on Twitter. I don't know what it was like at the game, Joey, but I know Jaguars fans. I saw several lots and lots of people saying hashtag fire press Taylor from play calling. And I'm not ready for that extreme, but you have to admit this was an incredibly disappointing performance from our offense if you told us beforehand hey you're going to hold the Chiefs to 17 points you're going to get three turnovers you're going to get an opportunity to get the ball starting inside the Chiefs 20 yard line you would say oh for sure the Jaguars are going to win not that they're going to lose by eight points and have the offense essentially only really score six points again because one of those times they started already in field goal position and so Press Taylor there is, pun here, a lot of pressure on him right now. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, people calling for uh, Press Taylor's head right now, which I, I think is a little premature. Uh, Doug Peterson's definitely in there making some calls as well. He's got his headset on, and he's definitely watching over Press Taylor's calls. I'm sure he has his own hand in it all. Uh, and one of the biggest plays that I want to bring up that a lot of people are blaming Press Taylor First down and goal on the one, and we decided not to run it up the middle. But it turns out uh, from Doug that that was Trevor's idea. That was not the play that they had drawn up. They actually had run up the middle drawn up, and Trevor decided that he wanted to pull it and do it himself. And that's because he doesn't have faith in his offensive line. He felt like he needed to make a play, and he needed to be the superstar, which he is. And normally, he makes a good call. He did it last year when he did the Superman into the end zone. That was his own call. Like, I don't hate him making his own call, but when you're on the one, you got to at least run it up the middle once, Trevor. Come on. Yeah, Joey, I think I think that play is absolutely one fans are frustrated with. I'm not as frustrated with that. It just was kind of the worst situation, like his worst <laughs> result. But I, I think the play call was fine. The other play that I know that um, fans are frustrated about right now with is the uh, the decision to go for it on fourth and five. At the time, it's the end of the second quarter. Uh, the ball is on Kansas City's 45. We're, we're up three to nothing. At this point, our defense has played lights out, including forcing two turnovers of the Chiefs at this point. And we decide to go for it. 
And look, I, I, I personally, I don't hate that. I, I, I think you could go either way. I know the Chiefs punted inside our territory earlier in the game because it felt like it was going to be a little bit more of a defensive game. But look, you have to take risks. You have to take chances. The opportunity to go up six nothing and and milk the clock, or even ten nothing and milk out the rest of the clock for the second quarter would have been massive. Um, and look, I think we we liked a lot of Trevor's. Um, a uh, quick passing game and your defense is, is shutting them down for the most part. So I thought I liked the decision. Um, I thought the play call was fine. It, it just was unfortunate that we weren't able to execute. Here's one more thing I want to call out before we potentially switch over to the defensive side of the ball. This is a stat that is troubling. It's early in the season, but right now the Jaguars are dead last in third down conversion. We are at an NFL worst 25% conversion rate. That's worse than the Jets with Zach Wilson at 26%. To give a comparison, last year we finished 10th at 41%. So some of that hopefully will go back to the middle, but that is a huge red flag for this Jaguars offense. You can't get any momentum, any rhythm if you're not converting on third down. Yeah, no, you're right, it, it, Jack. And like I, I do want to bring up also a back to JT, that fourth and five. I don't hate the play call if it was a different game. If if it's 21-28, we're scoring a bunch, then yeah, go for it. But the problem is we're up three. It's been a defensive battle. Punt it, get them down on their own five, stop them. That touchdown gave the Chiefs that energy, and they're like, oh, okay, sigh of relief. We got this. We, we, we don't need to be giving Patrick Mahomes the ball on the 50. Like, that's what I didn't like is – the, the game that was being played, it didn't need to, to go for. If it was a different type of game and it was a really offensive game, then yes, I don't hate the call. But, but you're playing you're playing the, the world champions. You're playing a team that averages somewhere between 27 to 30 points a game. I hear what you're saying, but you're you're not playing the, the Jets in, 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 in this situation. You're playing the Chiefs. You gotta think you have to score at least 20. And and ending the half at three is certainly not gonna be enough. And you guys have already said it. Trevor seems to do best in the hurry up offense in a situation where he is trying to press the ball downfield. And speaking, Jack, of your point of the the third downs, we had seven drives inside of Kansas City's territory. Drives that went down to the 42nd, uh, the 42-yard line, 14, 37, 31, 45, all the way down to the one-yard line in the 16-yard line, seven drives, and we came away with nine points. That's almost unheard of. The fact that you could get, you almost had more drives in their territory than you had points, which is almost impossible yeah no i mean i understand wanting to go for it don't get me wrong like i get the idea it's just putting patrick mahomes on zero points going into the half is just so much better than having them with seven points and realistically how many times have you seen people punt to to mahomes where he just moves the the ball at will uh in the two-minute offense and and is able to score a touchdown regardless. So again, yeah, but when when they were backed up in their own end zone, they weren't moving the ball. The only time they were moving the ball is when they had good field position. I think if we had put it like on their ten or five, we were going to stop them. I, I just think it was a different feeling if you have it there versus at the fifty, and they're already almost in field goal range. Like it just so, a different feeling out in the air. 
so the Chiefs had four possessions before that. You had two of them resulting in turnovers. One was a little bit fluky um, with uh, the uh, with the Tony fumble. One was an amazing play, which we'll talk about later here uh, from the interception. Your other two possessions, uh, they moved the ball fifty yards and then ended up having to punt. And and so like you you you're, you're realistically not going to get continually get turnovers on on Mahomes's offense and so the fact is you had to, to press i think this was absolutely the game regardless of what the score was during the time of the game uh to go for it and and i know look i know i'm in the minority probably of jags fans because of just how it worked out but i think that was the right call all righty um it, it may have been but uh let's move on to the defense the least the bright spot of the game yeah, absolutely. Maybe we are a defensive team because this defense, even though it's young, they played nasty. They played incredibly well against the Kansas City Chiefs, holding them to 17 points. Again, something in the last 20 Kansas City Chiefs games has only been done once. And so, plus, you add on the defense getting two turnovers and a third turnover, oh, by the way, on special teams, this was a game that you could not put on the defense at all. They could barely play any better. They played superb. Our defensive backs were very, very impressive, especially Cisco. To me, the defensive MVP, the player of the game, was an incredible interception. Hey, hold on to that ball, Cisco, because how often do you get an intercept Patrick Mahomes? That play was sweet. Yeah, Cisco had that chance for another pick, a uh, pick six, most likely it would have been too. Ugh, I wish he could have brought that down. That would have been a great start to the game. But yeah, the defense, I love the tenacity they've been showing, how they keep going after the ball. I love that they're getting turnovers, and that seems to be kind of their identity is to be that turnover machine. Uh, I really like that about the defense. And then I need to give Trey Herndon an apology. I was ready to run him out. Uh, I wanted him off the team, but he has played really well these last two games. He played well against the Colts. And he's played really well against the Chiefs. He had seven tackles. He was all over the field making plays. I apologize, Trey Herndon. Speaking of apologies, we perhaps all owe an apology to the one and only Chase on getting our sole sack of the game. It was not pretty, but again, how often do you get a sack on the home? So shout out to Chase on for pulling in a sack for our defense as well. Yeah, that was great to see him get on the board. <laughs> it looked like uh, Mahomes is going to be able to wiggle that one out, but uh Fortunately or unfortunately, actually, they, they called the um, the play dead there uh, with with forward progress being stopped. Uh, going back for a minute to the, the Cisco interception, that was an unbelievable play. If you guys see the all 22 replay of that, Cisco looks like he's 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 going down to cover a guy on the sidelines. And, and, and as soon as um, Mahomes gets ready to throw it, he has already shifted his gear and he's already running right at the deep receiver and, and just reads his soul. It was an incredible play. And, and it seems like uh, both through the preseason and the first two games, Cisco is playing at an elite level, and it's been a long time since we've seen um, a guy, a, sa uh, a safety in Jacksonville play at that level, and probably not since Donovan Darius. 
Yeah, and shout out to Joey for highlighting him in game one and saying, hey, he's going to be a key for our defense because he looked incredible. And here's the exciting thing is he's only 23 years old, and so he's got a ton of potential. And so Joey loved you pointing out that this was going to be one of the keys to our defense was Cisco playing well. And yeah, he had one beautiful interception and then one near interception as well. So he was really on fire for our defense. Yeah, I love seeing him flying around, looking like an absolute missile. He put on that extra weight and muscle on the offseason, and you can tell it's paying off. He he is looking like a top 10 safety, if not approaching top five. He is getting really, really good. I can't wait to see what he does the rest of the season. Uh, the linebackers played really well. Uh, Lloyd and uh, Luacon did really well covering Kelsey uh, and so did uh, Rayshon Jenkins. Like we shut Kelsey pretty much down as much as you can. Only four catches. That's really good. I understand he was still a little bit injured, but he could have easily had more. And I thought the defense did really well shutting him down. Yeah, a lot of plays last year, it felt like Lloyd was lost. It felt like Lloyd didn't know where to go. It feels like the game is slowing down for him. He had 11 tackles as well as two pass breakups. Um, So great game for him. Uh, It looked like he got washed out of the play when Kelsey did score, um, but few people were able to stop Kelsey in in near the red zone. Um, From a Chiefs perspective, honestly, the only guy that really scared me when he was touching the ball was Kadarius Toney. Uh, so, so watch him uh, as, as they go out, if they could ever figure out how to unlock his potential, I think he could be very good because there's a couple of plays, especially early on in the game where he looked like, oh man, he could have a monster game and then they just quit going to him. I don't know if that's because he hasn't learned the playbook or if because he fumbled or, or what the situation is there, but he, none of the other receivers scared me and I thought our, our corners did a really nice job keeping them in check minus the the long uh pass to Sky Moore. Yeah, if uh Tony could ever unlock his hands, he'd actually be very good. But uh That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't have had that uh buttered popcorn before the game. But yeah, he he he's got the speed and he's got the ability. I, I don't know. I don't think he's got the 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 discipline to get much better than he is right now, honestly though. Yeah. Um, special teams, uh, we, I, I would say, uh, edge Jaguars, obviously Richie James fumbled, uh, one of them setting up one of the, the Jaguars first field goal. Uh, McManus looks excellent three for three, including a long of 49 yards. Uh, if you feel extremely confident every time he's going to kick, uh, kick the ball and you know, he's got a very strong leg. Um, Logan cook also had it, had a nice game. I felt like, so certainly edge Jacksonville, but we do come up with a loss. We fall to one and one. Um, before we we wrap up this game, what are the final thoughts and what's your your takeaway from this game? Yeah, I wanted to bring up the McManus real quick at the game. Oh my goodness, he made that forty nine yard field goal look like it was a twenty nine yard field goal. It's just so effortless for him, and he could have gone for another 10, 20 yards. It, like I was surprised it was forty nine. How easy his field goal kick was. So really glad to see that leg. And that gives me confidence that he's going to be very good this year. Yeah, McManus looked really good. And so that's something, and special teams overall has been edge Jaguars in both games, which you love to see. I would say this, before the game, Doug Peterson said this was a benchmark game. And 
unfortunately, we missed it. We're just not at the elite level of the AFC, the elite level of the NFL yet. Again, to me, this is a very young team. Trevor has not taken the next step that I want to see him where he is competing at an all-time level. And so that was missing. And then certainly the red zone offense and third down conversions are the big red flags. And so the Chiefs have our number, frankly. They're 6-0 and in the last six games against us. And unfortunately, we need to step up. This was a benchmark game that we missed. Yeah, I will say uh, I'll give a, a positive, a negative, and uh, in in a, what I thought was one of the key turning points of the game. Um, the positive look: Andy Reid is incredible coming off of a bye. Andy Reid's essentially had a mini bye, considering Kansas City played on Thursday the week before, and he's getting Kelsey and Jones back. And oh, by the way, Kansas City understands the fact that you can't start zero and two in the NFL, or else it's a very, very hard hill to climb out of. So there's a lot of reasons why you were going to get Kansas city's best shot. They certainly gave it to us and and we hang tough. The, the downside is look, they committed 12 penalties. They had three turnovers. You had the game at home and you knew Jacksonville had circled this game um, from the beginning and to still come up short, to still be Owen three in the red zone, to still have seven, uh, possessions inside Kansas City's territory and come away with nine points. Very, very concerning. And what I will say, I think is honestly the play of the game that we haven't even talked about yet is we just got the the, the fumble for Tony and Kelsey ha- commits a 15-yard penalty setting up uh, the ball for the Jaguars deep inside of their territory. You're feeling like, okay, we, we got a field goal. We're already up three, nothing. There's a great chance that we go for the jugular on the first play. Um, and we throw it to Agnew. And what does he do? He fumbles at what I felt like was a critical time from a, uh, a from a gameplay perspective. Obviously we get the interception a couple plays later and, and it wasn't that big of a deal, but it felt like that was the opportunity to really start putting the pressure on. And, 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 and that was, I think that was one of those plays that if that didn't go that way, I think you could have seen a completely different game, maybe a game that turns into a shootout if, if Kansas city starts to fall down to nothing. Yeah, it definitely felt like a, a missed opportunity, which was a lot of this game was missed opportunities. Uh, I, I really actually hated that play call of the swing little pass to Agnew. I Here, Doug Peterson, I'm talking directly to you. I know you're listening. Uh, Andy Reid has gotten your number. You're 0-3. And it seems like when you play him, you, you try to get too cute. You draw up all these trick plays. And that's just not this Jags offense. You need to tighten it up, play a little bit more simple, and beat them that way. All these trickery plays, leave that for the Chiefs to do. That's not the Jaguars offense. You you need uh, three simple plays. It's like Novocaine, and you run it all the time. That's how you're going to beat the Chiefs. Yep, a lot for the Jags to clean up, a lot of room for improvement, and a great opportunity this Sunday to turn this around, jump on a win streak as we play the Texans. But before we close, I did want to give a brief update on the AFC standings for all of you Jag fans. So we are currently in first in the AFC South, which is good news at one and one tied with the Colts and the Titans, but having the tiebreaker. And as you look across the AFC, some of the teams to watch, the Dolphins have looked very good at two and zero, as have the Ravens. 
And of course, the Chiefs are one and one. Some of these top teams have also struggled. The Chargers at 0-2 and, and the Bengals at 0-2. So the AFC after two weeks is still very wide open. The Jaguars are in a good position even after a tough loss. And with that, we will be releasing another episode um, to break down the Texans game. It should be a little bit shorter. And so we'll talk about the keys to watch the the matchups on both sides of the ball as well. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, please like and um, review uh, what we have done. Five stars goes a long way for the algorithms and to making sure that uh, that we're able to get in front of more Jags fans. If so, if you like it, please share it uh, with your friends and uh, and families. And uh, and hey, it's it's a loss here, but you, we knew we were going to win them all. Unfortunately, this this happened early in the season. Um, but I'm pretty confident we'll still be able to start stacking wins here soon. And with that, I will leave with one final word. Do. Yeah. Yeah.